0: Hey, everybody. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Gather around. It's time. Time for Coffee with Scott Adams. And how good is this going to be? Well, I, I don't want to get your hopes up or anything, but probably the best one I've ever done. Probably. We'll see. But how to make it better? Well, let me tell you. What you need is a cup or a mug or a glass of tanker or a chalice or a, stein, a canteen jug or a flask vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I think you know I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes really everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip. And watch this. People all around the world, syncing up, go. Could you feel that? Could you feel it? Yeah, that was people all over the world doing the same thing at the same time. You are now connected. Oh, yeah. Well, I promised you that I would, uh, in, in addition to informing you, that I would make you smarter every time you watch my live stream. In other words, I'll tell you something that maybe you hadn't heard before that would be useful. Or maybe reinforce something that you already knew, but it helps to have it reinforced. Um, and let me uh, start with this. Dana Prino has a new book called Everything Will Be Okay, The Life Lessons for Young Women. I got an advanced copy. And it, I guess it goes on sale in uh, early March. So you can pre-order it now. And here's what I want to give you for your uh, lesson for the day. Have I told you that writing is its really important to start out right? And this book... Dana's book. I haven't uh, I haven't read the whole book, but I wanted to call out one of the best openings of a book I've ever seen. So I've told you many times, if you've followed my writing advice, that you should write and rewrite the opening of your book. The first first few sentences, you should just rewrite that a hundred times. Uh, no matter how much, how many times you rewrite it, you could probably make it a little better. And you want to get people hooked and interested and curious and also get like the whole idea of the book in like the first paragraph. That's a lot of work to put into a paragraph, right? If you can get all of that done in one paragraph, you probably have a good book. Let me read the opening from Dana's book to see, to see how to do this right. Uh, introduction. So I got a call from a young woman in Washington, D.C., seeking some advice. She had a problem at work and was quite upset. Her office supervisor wanted her to do something that she was very uncomfortable with, make a public statement under her own name using language and a tone that she thought was disrespectful and unproductive. And then I guess she said on the phone, uh, oh, then uh, Dana advised her, then don't say it. Absolutely, do not do it, I said. Quote, I don't think I can refuse, she said. She was afraid. She'd be fired if she didn't comply, that she didn't have the gravitas to decline. Quote, I'm not Dana Perino, she said. Then Dana Perino responded, quote, Well, how do you think I became Dana Perino? (laughs) How do you think I became Dana Perino? That's one of the best opening, openings of a book that you'll ever see. That, by the way, that advice is worth the price of the book. Just that advice. And you got it in the first the first paragraph. And let me add to that. Uh, one of the pieces of advice I give more than just about any other piece of advice is that when people get in some kind of a negotiation, usually somebody wants a job or they're trying to get a deal, uh, or in this case, somebody's negotiating with their boss, potentially. In all of those cases, people who are low-ranking imagine that they don't have any leverage, and that's an illusion. It's a complete illusion. You have lots of leverage if you're an employee, even if you have a boss, because your boss doesn't want to hire a new employee. Your boss really, really, really doesn't want to have to get rid of you and find a new employee. That's like one of the worst things a boss has to do. It's just hard. I mean, just everything's, everything gets wrecked if you have to go find a new employee. So if you're good at your job, you have all kinds of leverage with your boss, all kinds of leverage. But nobody, in their, let's say in their 20s, just to pick a, a time range, Nobody in their 20s knows that. They, they don't know that yet. You don't really know that until you become the boss. <laughs> Once you become a boss, then you realize how much leverage your employees have because you really need them, right? You don't, you don't have an option where the employees don't exist or don't do good work and you're still a star. So you always have more leverage than you think. That is some of the best advice you'll ever hear. All right, now, this assumes that you do good work, right? If you're bad at your job, you don't have any leverage, right? It's only if you're good at your job. Uh, The best news of the day, Lady Gaga got her dogs back. I got to admit, I didn't see that coming. I kind of thought those dogs were not going to have a happy ending because I thought that once it became obvious they were Lady Gaga's dogs, somebody would have to get rid of them. But maybe they were dog lovers, you know, oddly enough. Obviously, they're not human lovers since they shot one. But uh, they may have just said, oh, crap, we can't kill these dogs. We can't keep them. There's no way you can really sell them, Uh, you know, not get away with it. So maybe we have a good outcome. And let me tell you, um, if there were some kind of Academy Award or let's say, a National Medal of Honor or Nobel Peace Prize for the best dog walker? Pfft. Lady Gaga, she got a good dog walker. I tell you, if you're, if you're looking for a dog walker, pfft. best one I've ever heard of. This guy gave his life, or, or he risked his life, he got shot, protecting dogs. Can you do better than that? Can you do better than that? No. Now, I probably would have given them them the dogs right away. (laughs) Okay, not my dog. If it had been my dog, I would have probably risked my life. But if you're a dog walker, it's pretty good performance. Let's talk about LeBron. He's my favorite big dumb guy. Um, And somebody will turn that into something racial, right? You, you can be dumb of any any ethnicity, can't you? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I've seen big dumb guys of every ethnic group. So keep it in context. Uh, another athlete, a major soccer star, is Letin Ibrovovich, criticized LeBron for being political. LeBron responded by saying that he uh, he does his homework. So he's not just a big dumb athlete, he does his homework. He digs in. And after doing his homework, he had concluded, at least in the past, that he believes the fine people hoax really happened. Glad he did his homework. He couldn't even tell that the biggest hoax in the country never happened. So that's what he got when he did his homework. I also wonder What exactly is LeBron's take on Generation 4 nuclear power? Uh, Does he see that as a a key variable in the uh, climate change topic? He probably doesn't know what it is. (laughs) And if you don't know what Generation 4 nuclear is, do you know much about climate change and what to do about it and what the options are and what, what energy is really green and what is really dangerous? Probably not. So how much, how much research is LeBron doing? Now, before you say, Scott, you're just dunking on an athlete and you're telling him to basically stay in his lane, and, and don't you, Scott, tell us all the time that that's the worst advice ever, telling people to stay in their lane? Because that's what this soccer star told LeBron, you know, stick to sports. You've seen me criticize that, right? A lot of times. Well, let me tell you when people should leave their uh, lane and when they should not. It's just a general rule. You know, there could be some exceptions. But as a general rule, if you're in the top 1% of people who are brilliant and effective, leave your lane. Leave your lane. Because... Elon Musk had never sent a rocket to Mars, but I feel like he can figure it out because he's in the top 1%. Elon Musk had never built an electric car, but he figured it out because he's in the top 1%. Bill Gates had never started a major company, but he was he's in the top 1% of intelligence and capability, so he figured it out. If you're not in the top 1%, well, then it gets a little bit more of a gray area, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't think everybody should change their lane, right? Not everybody should change the lane. But I'll give you another example. I think it was uh, Mark Dice was tweeting about uh, how Bill Gates is making medical, um, I wouldn't say recommendations, but he's making a lot of statements in the medical field that you'd sort of expect a virologist or a doctor to be making, right? And so the criticism is, hey, Bill Gates, you know, you're good with software and running companies, but why don't you you leave the medical stuff to the medical people? Is that good advice? Nope, it's not. Now, I see people believe the conspiracy theories about Bill Gates being evil, and he's going to put a chip in you, and and all that. That's all ridiculous, by the way. It's all ridiculous. But it's a different topic. The question is if you saw um, Bill Gates disagreeing with some doctors on the question of the pandemic, who should you trust? Would you trust Bill Gates, his opinion on the pandemic, or a doctor? Now, let's say that the doctor is a, a GP, general practitioner. Uh, Very skilled at doctoring. Maybe not a virologist, but a doctor. Bill Gates is not a doctor. Let's say they had different opinions. Who would you trust? The doctor to have a medical opinion, or Bill Gates, not a doctor, who would you trust? If you trust the doctor, it's a sucker's play. (laughs) I would trust Bill Gates every fucking time. All right. If you if you if you're making this mistake, then you don't understand what it means to be in the top one percent. All right. Uh, I say this not as an insult to anybody watching this. All right, not as an insult. Your dog doesn't understand how you turn on the lights. Would you agree? Your dog knows the lights often come on when you enter in the room, but doesn't quite understand that it's something you do with the light switch or maybe you talk to your digital assistant or something. The dog just knows the lights come on. A dog cannot understand a human with an IQ of, let's say, 100, average. A dog has no idea why that person makes those decisions, but would you say that a person with average intelligence, a human, would make better decisions than, say, a dog. Not about dog things, but about human things. And the answer is yes. Not only would you guarantee that a person with an IQ of 100 would nail it better than a dog at making decisions for humans, but you know the dog doesn't get it. The dog wouldn't know that the human is that much smarter, but the the human knows for sure that the dog is that much dumber. It's not a two-way awareness. It's a one-way awareness. The smart person knows, the dog doesn't. Now take that to humans. Let's say you're pretty smart. you got an IQ of 120, 130, pretty good IQ. You are not in the same range as Bill Gates. (laughs) You're not even close. You're not even close. You're as close to Bill Gates in intelligence if you have like a 120, 130. You're not that far off from the dog, to a person who has normal intelligence. You have no idea how his brain works, how effective it is, the things he can do with his brain, that you just can't. And by the way, I put myself in that category of somebody who's uh, substantially less intelligent than Bill Gates. When Bill Gates looks into a topic, I I would go with him. Now, what you don't see is Bill Gates necessarily uh, saying something different than the top virologists. That's different, right? The top virologists, like in the world, are probably also in the top 1%, and they also know their topic. But on top of that... (laughs) so, So I would listen to those, and I think Bill Gates does as well. But if you were comparing Bill Gates to your family doctor and they had different opinions, I would take Bill Gates every time over your family general practitioner, if they were different. Now, I don't know if there's any case that they ever would be different. I'm just saying that you can't judge LeBron leaving his lane with Bill Gates leaving his lane. They are not even a little bit similar. So that's the next thing that you learned today. Uh, Leaving your lane is good for the people who can do it. And most people can't. Let me give you another example. Uh, Some years ago, the uh, CEO of Intel, who was Andy Grove, I think he's passed. But Andy Grove uh, wrote a very long article. I think it was for Forbes or Fortune or something. It was one of those magazines. And what he did was he had prostate cancer. Now, Andy Grove was an engineer. Would you trust an engineer to give you advice on prostate cancer? Well, your first impression should be no, right? Why would you trust an engineer to give you medical advice? But the reason it was a major article that really uh, made an impact, I think, in the country is that Andy Grove did what the doctors couldn't do. He looked at all the research and then he put it in context and then he explained it to the public so anybody who was w- in the same situation, had prostate cancer, could see all of their surgical and other options in the clearest possible way for the first time. For the first time. Why did Andy Grove have to write an article about prostate cancer? Because there wasn't anybody could tell him. There were, there were no doctors who knew what Andy Grove knew when he was done doing the research? None of them. They, they probably knew what they knew more than he did, but they didn't see the full, whole field. He, he did. And when he wrote it, doctors said, all right, that's a real service. That's a real service. Because even, even we're not seeing it you know, in that detail. So would you trust Andy Grove to make a medical recommendation? In that case, in that specific case, uh, yes. Yes, I would trust him uh, over the doctors. I would I would listen to both, of course. But uh, don't count out the, the top one percenters. They're just not like other people. All right. Amazon's announcing it will no longer sell books that are, quote, that have a material we deem inappropriate or offensive. So... <laughs> How long before one of my books is deemed inappropriate or, in, or offensive? Take my book that's behind my head here, *Win bigley *Win bigley paints a uh, positive picture of uh, ex-president Trump's um, performance, his skills. What happens if history decides that Trump is such a bad character that you can't have a book saying he did anything good? Because imagine if somebody wrote a book that said, you know, Hitler certainly had his bad qualities, but what about his good qualities? Nobody could write that book. And if they did, would Amazon carry it? Would Amazon carry a book that said Hitler had some good points? Probably not, right? It would be easily categorized as offensive or inappropriate. But is it possible that my book which is perfectly acceptable in the time it was published, could Trump's reputation reach a point where they say, you know, I don't even think we can have a book on the shelf that said he had any good qualities, could it? I don't know. Let me tell you what I think is happening to me. And again, you can only speculate about these things because is sort of opaque. It does appear to me that at just about the time of the election uh, and after it, that the uh, social media companies put the clamp down on me pretty hard. Now, I can't, I can't distinguish how much is maybe people you know, leaving, my, leaving my universe because they came for the, the Trump stuff and there's not as much of it anymore, and how much of it is some kind of weird algorithm or shadow banning. I can't sort it out. But I will tell you that on, uh, let's say, YouTube, which had been pretty much allowing uh, all of my content to be monetized, they'd gotten to the point where pretty much all of it was monetized, uh, which is different than earlier in the year. But right after the election or so, they reversed it, and I watched the monetization just plunge. It plunged enough that I'm not sure it's worth doing. Right? So I mean, at the moment it is. But if it keeps, if they keep the uh, the clamps on, and the way that looks is that um, my live streams, this in particular. In fact, this is probably demonetized right now. I'll uh, ask my brother. Uh, well, never mind. Uh, we'll get to that later. But chances are that this is demonetized right now. At least the YouTube feed, not the Periscope feed. And they they demonetize automatically. Is that something that you do to somebody who, uh, after review, gets approved almost every time? And even the ones that are not approved don't violate any rule. I have violated zero rules of YouTube, as far as I know. I'm not not aware of anything. Now, I do use some language, but I also note that this is not for children. So YouTube has a, a box you check. So do you think that I get demonetized because my language is bad? I don't think so. There's plenty of bad language on podcasts. Do you think I get demonetized because I say things like I'm going to say right now? This is I'm guessing this might be why. Uh, CNN's, here's, here's a report on CNN's fake news today. This is a direct quote from CNN's webpage. Facts first, colon, the election was not rigged. Joe Biden was the legitimate winner. There is no evidence of widespread fraud or malfeasance. And CNN is reporting this as a fact. Well, there are actually uh, two separate claims in this fact. One is that there is no evidence of widespread fraud or malfeasance. Well, I don't know that's true, but I know that no court has ruled that there is widespread fraud. fraud or malfeasance. So you could argue that this this one is um, true-ish, meaning that they left out the fact that the court has not found any evidence, as opposed to people alleging there's evidence. So I would say this is misleading. But what about the first sentence? The election was not rigged. That's reported as a fact. That's fake news. (laughs) That's not a fact. That's an assumption. They reported a fact that's really just an assumption. Now, do I have any evidence, personally, either you know court-sanctioned or even just something that I've seen, that I would say is proof that there's some kind of widespread fraud in that election? The answer is no. No, I have not. Now, should I be demonetized for saying what is obviously objectively true? that there is no, I don't have any evidence that is direct evidence of widespread fraud. Lots of allegations, lots of statistical things that make my eyebrow go up. I'd certainly like to know more about it. And I have a general feeling that any system will be corrupted eventually. So, you know, I I have suspicions, but I have no evidence of fraud. None. Zero. Should I be demonetized for saying what I just said? that I personally am aware of no fraud in the election? I will be, probably, probably already demonetized while I'm talking. Is anything I'm saying dangerous or offensive or inappropriate? Not even close. So here's my main point about CNN. When they say the election was not rigged, that is simply not a fact. Nor is it a fact that we know it was rigged. Neither of those are facts. Anybody pretending that those are facts can't tell the difference between a reasonable assumption and something you know. Is it a reasonable assumption that the election election was not rigged? It's reasonable. It's reasonable. I think reasonable people might disagree, but it's not crazy, but it's an assumption. You can't prove something didn't happen when you didn't look for it. All right, so if I say something that is objectively and obviously true, that you can't know something doesn't exist in the context of you didn't look for it, is there anybody who disagrees with either of those two statements? That we didn't look for it, except in those few cases that courts, you know, around the edges, there's some things that got looked at, but we didn't look at the whole system, for sure. And if you didn't look, can you be sure? Now, if that's true that not looking allows you to reach certainty, I'd like to hear that argument. That would be a good good argument. It could be that we have, in, che- in fact, checked enough places that statistically you could be pretty darn sure nothing happened. That's possible, but I haven't heard that argument. I'd like to, because if it's true, I'd certainly like to know it. All right. So I believe I'm being squeezed uh, uh, and I'm getting lots of reports of people having to re-follow me on Twitter. By the way, in the comments, if you've ever had to re-follow me on Twitter or you can't find my tweets, say so in the comments. And for those of you who believe I might be exaggerating, watch what happens. It'll take take about a minute for the comments to catch up. Here they come. Look at all the people who had to refollow me. That know they never unfollowed me in the first place. When you see the number of them, you, you kind of can't think it's a coincidence, and it doesn't look like a bug. <laughs> uh, somebody says you are not exaggerating. Just look at the comments. These are people who who follow me enough to watch my live streams regularly, so they're not casual followers. Just look, at, just look at all the people who are saying this. Do you believe it's a coincidence that this many people who just happen to be on this live stream, look at all the yeses. Now, I'm seeing more of them on uh, Periscope than I am on YouTube. It, it, for the YouTube people, uh, I, I could just read the comments from Periscope. It's like, yes, yes, refollow. There are no's, of course, but a lot of yeses. Do you think that's a bug? I don't. Do you think they're all wrong, and they just had some perceptual problem where they, they, somebody did it twice in one week? Do you think they accidentally unfollowed me twice that week? No. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. For a while, I used to think it was a coincidence, but it is now somewhat obvious that both YouTube and Twitter are squeezing me, probably politically. My guess is that it's politically motivated, but how would I know? So uh, the odds of this getting monetized by YouTube are probably zero. I don't think they could handle this. All right, uh, so Biden uh, has a new gaffe. He went to Texas, and in the middle of his uh, opening remarks, he said, and I quote, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here, because he literally forgot what he was doing while he was talking. Now, we add to that the following clues. We know that uh, his vice president is talking to foreign leaders, something that even Biden didn't do uh, you know, at this level. So there's something going on in which Harris is clearly being uh, you know, groomed for the top job because the talking to foreign leaders would be the main thing you'd want to do to get ready. And then we also heard the reports that the nuclear football the Democrats don't necessarily want that in one decision. They might want to get more, more control on that. So you say to yourself, wait a minute, don't these all have that same quality? Uh, of It's obvious now that Biden is being you know, managed out of the job for obvious cognitive problems. But I will give you this one caution. Remember I introduced a word, apophenia? A-P-O-P-H-E-N-I-A, apophilia. It's the uh, phenomenon where people see patterns where there are no patterns. Similar to confirmation bias, uh, but a little bit different. And is that a real pattern or a fake one? All right, so here are the three things. Tell me if it's a real pattern or a fake one. Number one, Biden makes lots of verbal gaffes. You think he has a cognitive problem. Number two, Harris is talking to foreign leaders as if she's getting ready for the job, the top job. And there's some concern even from Democrats about who has control of the nuclear football. Put those three things together. Proof that Biden is being managed out of the top job. No. (laughs) Yeah, we want to believe that. And if I had to bet on it, I would bet yes, but not necessarily because of these three pieces of evidence. The nuclear football thing could be just a general concern. Could be. Uh, Harris talking to foreign leaders seems a little bit more on the nose in, in the right way. Not I, use, I sometimes use that as an uh, indication of something that's not true. But in this case, that's exactly what you'd be doing and I don't see another reason for it, do you? What would be the other reason Harris would be talking to foreign leaders? So I would subtract out the nuclear football question because it might be part of the pattern, but it might not be. Um, And the Biden gaffe, what am I doing here? You could argue that he's just always been that way. It's no different. Um, But the part about Harris talking to the foreign leaders... I don't have a second explanation for that. You know, I mean, you could argue she's getting ready to run after four years, but it feels a little early. (laughs) So, anyway, be be mindful that it could be a fake pattern, but I would also bet on it being real. So I would join you in betting it's real, but you can't be 100% sure. Um, The funniest thing about the news today... Is how much of it is about Bill Maher. <laughs> you know, you're used to uh, seeing the news talk about whatever Bill Maher said on his show on Friday night each week. And, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that, you know, something he said made the news. It's very, very normal. But I felt like he made a lot of news. Like he made a lot of news. Like we don't have anything else to talk about. But it's part of this trend of, uh, people who maybe leaned left—I'm not sure what you would, cl- uh, how you would classify uh, Bill Maher, progressive, I guess—and they're you know eating each other. So he he came out strongly against cancel culture, which um, is why Bill Maher is a voice you should listen to, because there aren't that many people who can come out against their own team, as it were, and he does regularly when it makes sense. So. Uh, even when you don't agree with Bill Maher, and I don't agree with him on a number of topics, but I got it. you have to admit, he is capable intellectually of seeing an issue on either side uh, without being blinded by it. I do think TDS had him a little bit blinded, but that was a special case. So um, he also is saying that Trump is the presumptive nominee for 2024, that you know and he's warning people don't imagine this won't happen because <laughs> it's almost positive it's going to happen remember if there are a number of other candidates who are running let's say Trump you know has a primary challenger which of course he would um, it depends how many there are if it, if it's 10 challengers again he's he's definitely going to get nominated because it will you know distribute the popularity he'll still have. You know, thirty percent or whatever, so he'd easily get it. Uh, but what if he only ran against one person, who was a pretty good candidate? Well, then it may be a little close call. But who would be that one candidate? <laughs> name name one uh, candidate who, if they if it were one on one against Trump for the primary, all right, Not for the not for the job, but for the primary. What Republican? Would stand a chance. There's, there's no one-on-one matchup that would even be close. Would, would there? Somebody's saying Pompeo, but he's he would be identified as you know sort of Trump's guy. Yeah, I'm, I mean I'm seeing all the usual names: Matt Gates, Haley, etc. I don't think Matt Gates is going to primary Trump. Do you? I don't think so. Andrew Yang would not run as a Republican. Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. I'm not sure he had his best week. He's still, still fighting off the, uh, the Cancun stuff. He made a joke about it at CPAC. I'm not sure that joke landed, but uh, I like that he's treating it as, uh, as a joke, taking full responsibility, but then also minimizing it because it isn't that important. So those are the two things that you would look for for somebody handling it correctly, right? So the mistake is the mistake, but he handled it correctly by coming back, completely saying this was a mistake, no ambiguity, it was just a mistake. I like that. He didn't shade it, just a mistake. Uh, And and then then he minimized it, which I think in this case you should minimize it. All right, here's my question. What does Bill Maher think about Biden's mental capacity? So now we've watched, Bill, we've watched uh, Biden you know, operate for a while. What does Bill Maher think of that? Because <laughs> remember, the, the, the ordinary team player Democrats are just not going to mention that, but Bill Maher can, because he's not—you know—he's not a hypnotized team player. If he sees it, he's going to call it out. I don't know how much longer he can go without sort of making this a featured point that Biden's capacity is, is uh, diminished. The other thing that seems, uh, and I, I've been predicting this, but it's funny to watch it come, come true, how many times Biden will be forced to follow some kind of a Trump policy that he had already been criticizing? So we're seeing it with kids in cages, right? Technically, Biden is not doing as much as uh, as Trump did in terms of putting kids in cages, and that they're not cages per se. They're they're uh, what are they? They have some other name that makes them sound not like cages, but they're walled units, et cetera. But they will soon be overwhelmed, and Biden will end up probably doing something pretty close to what Trump had to do. Because you sort of have to. What about uh, Biden bombing Syria? Sounded very Trump-like, didn't it? <laughs> A lot of Democrats said, hey, we, we didn't vote for you so you could be bombing Syria. Um, how about uh, Biden's uh, response to the Khashoggi killing? So now the official report comes out in which the United States is blaming uh, uh, MBS, the head of Saudi Arabia, for directly... Ordering the Khashoggi killing. Now, what would Trump have done if Trump had been in charge and this report came out? What Biden did was he issued the report. I think Trump would have done that too, because it would be an official report. Yeah, it would. Somebody would issue it, so that would happen the same. Um, and then Biden decided not to punish the person that they called responsible. So MBS will not be sanctioned, won't be disallowed in the country, nothing. And Biden says the reason is that we need him. We need him. You know, as, just as a practical, as a practical matter, we, we need his support. What would, have, what would uh, Trump have done? Exactly the same freaking thing. Trump was playing it exactly the same way. He was letting people, you know, sort of know it was MBS, but he was treading lightly so he could get other things done, such as the Abraham Accords and basically anything else. You need their help. So Biden basically took a Trump policy on the Khashoggi thing, Trump policy on bombing Syria. Um, Yeah, I mean, and, and he will be forced into a Trump policy on the border at least in terms of the kids in cages part. So watching this come together is interesting, and watching the Democrats watch it with horror when they thought something different could happen. Eh. Now, I think Biden's also pro-nuclear, right? So when are the progressives going to have to deal with the fact that they elected a pro-nuclear guy? Now, he should be pro-nuclear, as was Trump, right? Biden and Trump, not that different. Except for tone. All right, um, Rand Paul's being accused. So here's some more fake news reports. Some fake news from CNN. So they're, uh, they're reporting that critics are blaming Rand Paul for being, quote, bigoted and deeply offensive and a transphobic attack uh, when he questioned Dr. Rachel Levine, because she, she would be uh, the first uh, transgender cabinet. Uh, person, if she gets through the nominee nomination, and he was asking about puberty puberty suppression drugs for minors. Now, if you watched it, did you see anybody say anything bigoted or deeply offensive? Did you see Rand Paul say anything that was anti-transgender? No, nothing. Not a single thing. And yet it's reported by CNN. And instead of saying they say it, they say critics are saying it's bigoted and deeply offensive. Is that fair? (laughs) Is it fair to look at something that didn't happen and then say the critics say it happened and just report what the critics say without putting in the part where none of it happened? Right? None of it happened but they still report that the critics say it happened. I think you need to add the part about none of it happened if you're a real news organization. Here's what he did do. He questioned who makes the decision. That's it. He questioned whether children uh, should make the decision and or their parents, like who should make the decision. The most basic question we ask about everything in society, who gets to decide? Who gets to decide has nothing to do with the base question of what you do. He didn't even deal with that. It wasn't even the topic. It was a how-to-decide topic, given that there are long-term consequences. Now, this is as fake as fake news can get, CNN. So that's two cases of fake news there. Um, And, of course, in conservative media, to be just as fake... Did you see the hashtag about the? uh, I guess the House passed the uh, what do you call it? The stimulus bill. That's one point nine trillion dollars, and it's being reported uh, the Republicans are saying that only nine percent of that is actually going to the primary purpose of fighting the pandemic. Have you seen that yet? Only nine percent of this money goes to fighting the pandemic. Mm Just bullshit, fake news. None of us, that's not even close to being real, <laughs> that 9% thing. Anybody who says that it's 9%, you should just write them off as being an honest broker. It's just a lie. Now, what they're doing to make this lie sound like a little bit technically true is they add the part like medical. But most of the bill is about paying people directly, you know, backstopping businesses and, and all that stuff. So most of it is economic. And the, the pandemic requires an economic response. The, the whole 9% thing is just is just a lie. Now, at the same time, at the same time, is it true that it's filled with pork and progressive wish lists? Yes. Yes, that could be true. So it can be true that it has too much pork while it's not true that only 9% of it is what you wanted, right? They can both be true. Um, So uh, I don't have an opinion about whether the bill is good or bad because I don't know if anybody can tell. But uh, I don't know if it will get passed either. I don't know if Kamala Harris will approve the the minimum wage part or that gets stripped out. So there's a lot of unknowns. We don't know how this will go. Uh, All right. But don't believe the fake news about the 9% part. That's just political talking points. Apparently, 83 million people um, in the United States had COVID by the end of 2020. Does that sound right to you? If somebody had asked you how many people in the United States out of our 370 million, how many people do we have in the country now? I don't know the exact number. But it's well over 300 million. And 83 million have, have already had the the virus by the end of 2020. 2020. Does that sound right? I don't feel like 83 million people got infected, but that would be about 25% of the public. Do you think 25% of the public already had COVID? It doesn't sound right, does it? I'm not saying it's not right, but it doesn't. This is one of those cases where the statistics and the observation aren't matching. And I, and I always teach you that that's the first thing you should look for. I'm not saying that the statistic is wrong, but you at least have to figure out why the observation doesn't match. <laughs> right? Because if it were one in four, I feel like things would look real different. Don't you? Right? So if it were 83 million and 1% of them died, it would be, what, 800,000? I don't know. Maybe. We have 500,000 dead, so maybe that's not too far off. Um, but the good news is the, we've got 8% of the population vaccinated, so add 25 to 8, and we're uh, maybe a third of the way to some kind of herd immunity with the two causes put together, the vaccinations plus the already infected. And we've got a new vaccination vaccine coming Here's an interesting uh, uh, hypothesis. I love conspiracy theories. That doesn't mean I think they're true. But they're always fun, which is how they become popular, right? It's, it's a fun conspiracy theory. But you know the story about uh, China used uh, anal swabs to test for COVID in, our, uh, in U.S. Um, diplomats. Now, of course, this is a big controversy because it was considered humiliating that China basically shoved something up the ass of our diplomats. But uh, as Twitter user, whose name is Hillary for prison, <laughs> HRC number four prison, made this uh, interesting observation. And I don't know if I want to believe this or not, but I love a good conspiracy theory. you Ready? And uh, Hillary for prison says, the gut is the foundation of health. China just data-mined these diplomats. They now know any health conditions and medications they're taking. This is a security breach, and all these diplomats should be called home. That's not bad. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that's true, but it feels true, doesn't it? If, if China could get a hold of the, the, you know, the waste of our diplomats, couldn't they tell what, what their medical conditions are and what uh, drugs they're taking? And if they knew what drugs they were taking and what their medical conditions were, would that give them some leverage in some way over those diplomats? I feel like it might. This is an interesting hypothesis that you should, just out of of caution, they should call all the diplomats home. But then does China win? Because we want those diplomats. They're there for a reason, right? They're not randomly picked. They're good for that job. So I don't know what kind of uh, credibility to put on this speculation, but I'm not ruling it out. It feels like the sort of thing that can happen. All right. Let's see what else we've talked about here. Um, here's another dog that's not barking. Uh, As CPAC, apparently there are a number of breakouts or or events centered around the allegation which no courts have proven that there was election fraud. Um, Now, that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is, as far as you know, as far as you know, is, is our government working on fixing the election process, at least the credibility of it, so that we'll feel confident in it for next time? I don't feel like that's happening, is it? So why are you even talking Sorry, about... I don't know that, but you have my questions enabled. Do you want to open it? My digital assistant started talking to me. That's spooky. Um... All I know is if your government doesn't have a plan floating around for fixing it, and maybe there's an argument between the Democrats and the Republicans, but they all want to fix it, nothing like that's happening. I don't think I, don't think I want to listen to anybody in the political sphere talking about any election allegations for 2020 unless they're personally working on the fix. If you're not working on fixing it, I don't care about what happened in the past. I don't care. I don't care if you think there was fraud in the past. If you're not fixing it, and again, when I say fix it, I mean the transparency of it. That's not not an allegation of fraud. It's an allegation of uh, insufficient transparency. I feel like we should just stop listening to everybody who is a politician who is not working on fixing it for next time. I just don't care about what happened last time. That's over right? Biden's the president. You don't have to like it. It's just done. It's time to move on. Here's another question. All this talk about the capital assault, and was it a resurrection? Was it a coup? And how QAnon was a big part of this? And Q, Q, Q. So the biggest national story, right? biggest story. Where's the part where we talk about who Q really was, especially toward the end? There's some suggestion that Q started with some group of people but may have evolved into a different group of people. How do we have a capital assault in which everybody thinks Q had some role in it and we don't know who Q is and it's not even a question in the news? Where's the headline that says, still looking for Q? Where's the headline that says, we found Q? And he's a Republican, or he's a Democrat, or he's American, or not American, or there's several of them. Yeah, well, some of you are getting ahead of me. What would be any explanation you could think of in which the biggest story isn't even in the news? What would be a bigger story than who is the actual identity of Q? Seriously, what would be a bigger story than that? I mean, coronavirus, yes. But the Q thing was our biggest story for months, and nobody even asked, who is Q? Now let me ask you a second question. Do you believe that in our world of universal digital um, surveillance, do you think that our intelligence agencies in the United States do not know who Q was? Do you think the CIA doesn't know who Q was? Is that even possible? Because of course they were interested. Of course they're interested. The, nobody doubts that, right? Nobody doubts that the CIA or maybe it's the FBI—I don't know—whichever wh- entities get involved with this sort of stuff, nobody would doubt that they'd be interested, right? Or that they would look into it. Do you think they couldn't find out? Do you think that somebody could hide and just say, "I'm Q"? They'll never find me. I'll, I'll use my clever you know, workarounds so they can't even track me. Really? Because that alone would be a story. If there, if there were somebody who was regularly publishing and our intelligence agencies couldn't figure out who it was, that would be a story. So here are the things that we know. It's not a story anywhere. It would be highly important to know the answer to it. Our intelligence agencies clearly know who it is, clearly. They have not told us who it is. Why? Why? W- would our intelligence agencies not want us to know who is behind this, you know, at least a uh, part of the variable behind this capital assault that we're also concerned about? You don't think they'd want us to know who it was? Of course they would. Yeah, and we should we should know for example that there might be an you know they're talking to him or maybe some law is broken and there's a possible arrest I don't know. Suppose it's yeah. The only reasonable assumption is that it is our intelligence agencies who are behind Q. Now I probably get kicked off of all social media for even saying that, right? Uh, this would be a good edge test, isn't it? I think I just went too far. So I probably am cancelable now. So let me state it in in a way that there's no inaccuracy. I'm not saying that that's the case. I have no information to directly suggest that intelligence agencies uh, were behind Q at the end. I don't know about the beginning. But it does explain everything we're seeing, and I don't have a second explanation for why it's not even in the news. Do you? Right? It's just speculation. But uh, ask yourself that question. If you don't know the answer to that question, how much do you understand about what's going on? And when I say what's going on, you know, I mean behind the curtain. <laughs> I mean that's that is really, really obviously missing in the conversation, isn't it? And until I brought it up, did you notice? Until you heard me say it today, were you ever thinking to yourself, hey, who is that Q person? Why don't we know that yet? Probably not, because the media tells you what to think about, and they didn't tell you to think about that. The media tells you what to think about. I mean, that's their job, Right. And they simply didn't tell you to think about it, so you didn't. That's how well they can hide stuff. They meaning whoever's behind the curtain. And what entity would be able to get to both conservative news and, uh, and left-leaning leaning news? What entity could, could force both left- and right-leaning news to be silent on the biggest one of the biggest topics in the country? Well, I can't think of anybody except an intelligence agency. Can you imagine anybody else going to Fox News? Let's just take Fox News, or you can do CNN. It doesn't matter. Can you imagine any other entity going to them and saying, hey, you know, why don't you just don't cover this Q stuff? If CNN wanted to figure out who Q was or even make a story about how we can't figure it out, don't you think CNN wants to report who Q is? Now, you could make an argument, oh, maybe Fox News doesn't want to report it because it'd make, I don't know, make conservatives angry or something, maybe not be good for their customers. So you could make an argument that maybe the right leaning entities just sort of want to ignore it because it would make things worse for their supporters. Maybe. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you could imagine that. But what would CNN's reason be? Why would CNN not report it? Because obviously this would be somebody associated with the right, and they would like the right to be deeply embarrassed. It's just so obviously missing. It has to be. Well, I won't say it has to be. I can see no other explanation, which doesn't mean there isn't one. It just means that my imagination you know, taps out at a certain point. Everybody's imagination taps out at a certain point. You just can't imagine anything beyond that point. <laughs> Thank you, TJ. You were, you were way too nice, and I appreciate that. All right. Um, somebody says, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> You've been there for a while, huh? All right, that's what I had to say today. Now, I'm going to try to keep my, uh, keep my promise that each of these live streams will tell you something you didn't know or reinfor- reinforce something that maybe is better to be reinforced. So I hope I did that today, and uh, I will talk to you. Oh, before I go, um, I just tweeted, and it's uh, it's pinned to my profile. All of the it's an updated list of all the micro lessons on a whole bunch of things. Uh, it's getting pretty long right now. That you can learn within the locals subscription um, world, where you can follow me and be part of my community. It's a subscription site. But the intention of that is that you will learn a whole bunch of skills to add to your your skill stack, and I will teach you each of these skills really briefly. So it will be the shortest, most useful lessons that you can immediately add to your talent stack. And that is what I'm trying to do over in Locals, and I will talk to you later. Somebody said, I agreed, but the speculation is built from an overblown narrative. I don't know which one you're talking about. Oops, your comments are fast. Uh, Nano lessons, please. (laughs) How will all the cancel culture end? I think it's like everything else. It'll look like it's too much for a while, and then it will normalize. You know, the, the reason that cancel culture exists is that we, ha- we do not have a leader who has the right skill to make it go away. And Bill Maher is doing a good job arguing against it, but I don't know that he has the weight to make it go away. Yes, uh, the Q thing was used to, to claim that Trump supporters were Nazis, which makes me suspect that uh, there's some dirty tricks going on there. All right, that's all I got for now, and I'll talk to you later.